from Ennui. This is Ennui Talk. You can support the show and other Ennui projects by subscribing to Ennui Plus on Patreon. But for now, sit down and enjoy. Hello guys, welcome back to the Ennui Talk podcast. I'm recording this at 3am right now. Um, but for a good reason. Um, I'm here with somebody honestly I do look up to um, somebody who's I've listened to for many many years um, re- waiting I would you describe yourself as a wrestling podcaster is that like if somebody asks you do you could do you call yourself a wrestling podcaster that's exactly what I would uh, say to somebody at this point in my life yeah um, I think that is the most apt um, concise description of what I do for a living you are the mind what one one half of um of post wrestling with john pollock um but when you say that because you are a wrestling podcaster of course but um and we'll get into you because i want to discuss your past um just you know in media and all that sort of thing um i've what I was going to say was, and I've lost my train of thought, right? And and as I said, it is 3 a.m. It's a lot of de- lot of dedication yeah. to me. You know, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second there. Oh, let me pat yourself, pat you on the back, because uh, I, I definitely um, am apologetic that due to the time difference and due to my own availability, this happens to be the best time. Um, it's incredibly late. And as somebody who, like, you know, often stays up pretty late at night doing some work, I, I understand how, how you get at, at this hour, so... I, I really appreciate the dedication. No worries, way. But like, you know, as I said, you're one of you're one of my idols. You're one of my inspirations, definitely in podcasting. Um, and, you, and you are somebody who I listen to almost every day as well. And this is, it's honestly a little bit surreal. Um, it's it's hard to believe that it's... That's really you know, not, kind, not kind of you to say. Um, and uh, I, I don't take something like that lightly at all. At the same time, it's like, I... I've chatted with you before, Matthew, and we've had conversations uh, on on the internet plenty of times about technical things or just whatever. And it's just, it's been completely normal. You're just like another, you know, like you're an online friend to me. Now that's real. Now that's real. (laughs) Just hearing that. Um, But it's that, what I was going to say before was, now that I've actually found my train of thought, um, you guys with post wrestling, um, you're not just a wrestling podcast because really, you know, after leaving the fight network, et cetera, et cetera, um, you're running your own business and you're running your own business in a modern age in 2020 where it's like, you know, wrestling podcast. You're not just because at, at the fight net, network, when you weren't doing, you know, the podcast, um, for Raw and SmackDown with John, what was your main sort of thing? What was your day to day at the fight network? Yeah, my main job, the job that I was essentially kind of hired to do, it's kind of, it, it's it's a rather long story. Like, I I started at the Fight Network, um, I think, all in all, I probably spent about 12 years there. So back in 2005 was when I started. And I started off as an intern. And when you're talking about a relatively small company like what we were starting up, you know, as an intern, um, you really get to experience pretty much like almost everything, you know, uh, that, that a production ha- has to offer between... Um, you know, uh, editing, of course, uh, between, uh, scheduling, like broadcast scheduling, um, and where I all, you know, even doing on air stuff, but where, where I ultimately landed in my comfort zone was videography. Uh, so I was like the lead camera operator and lead videographer as well as, uh, one of the head editors there as well. So, um, I would definitely say that was sort of what I was doing most of the time. What was your favorite thing to do at the Fight Network? Would you say that doing podcasts with John was your favorite thing to do? Um, you know what? I was definitely lucky enough to have several things that I really enjoyed, and absolutely the podcasting was was one of those things. But I very much enjoyed, you know, um, working on any of the news features. I actually loved camera work, and it's something I kind of miss um the 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 ability to just go out there rather and either gather a new story or you know doing something a bit more creative like following a fighter right before a big ufc fight that they were having and really crafting those stories along with some of the other other producers and editors that worked there um that was something i was very passionate about so i was really lucky in that i had several kind of like passions stimulating me at the time interesting very interesting because i can see like right at the start of post wrestling um when you guys sort of announced the new project, you had a video which was very much like 
Um, and I'm the Bludgeon I'm Brothers. Forgetting that the Bludgeon Brothers. That's what I was gonna say. Like I, I don't know them as the Bludgeon Brothers. I've always, I always know them as the White Family. I never really think of them as that short-lived sort of gimmick that they had. Um, and no, I'm guessing that was, you know, a majority. That, like, well, that's a, you know, that's a more of a filmmaking thing. That's mm. a, it's more of a creative thing. Like ever since then, you guys haven't, you haven't done much um, video work really at all, have you? No, we haven't. Um, you know, doing something like that. I mean, I think I was still very much coming off of, yeah, like my background as, as a videographer. And really at the time it was just like, like with a lot of things that we end up doing for the podcast, it was just a funny idea. John and I both had, and we knew enough people like our, our friend Sarge, Matt Sargent was just a great help to us. Um, in fact, I think he borrowed some of the Fight Networks equipment in order to help us, but don't. That's that's between you and I. Um, but anyway, he he was just um, uh, very generous with his time, uh, but and helped execute our, our kind of like big announcement. And it was um, really the right, the perfect thing to do at the time. Yeah, I absolutely, yeah, agree that I, we haven't really done that much video lately, if at all. And much of that is. Number one, due to, I think, a uh, lack of a accessibility to the equipment itself, but mostly just simply due to time. Um, the the How kind of like consuming our new podcasting schedules are. Um, we definitely ramped up from when we were just doing it, or at least when I was just doing it sort of as almost a side thing at, at the Fight Network. Now we are essentially covering wrestling news and doing podcasts almost on a daily basis. And for me personally, that doesn't really leave a whole lot of time to do sort of like more kind of big scale or at least like, I don't know, um, things that 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 really kind of like mm, require a bit more than like, you know, the day's work for me to, to work on. So and it's also just a like a need as well. You know, we don't necessarily have like any sort of major announcement on that scale uh, at the beginning of, of uh, post wrestling to, to to do. But um if an idea presents itself, it's something I, I would definitely consider. One question, and this is more just a personal thing that I like to know. Um, how long after you record a podcast, what is your, how long does your post-production take from, you know, finish recording with John or whoever to um, being uploaded? I think if I simply like after recording, you know, snipped it, processed it, put it up on, on to air, it, it would probably take me, not that much time, but because I'm definitely a bit of a perfectionist, especially when it comes to technical things, um, it takes somewhere between like half an hour, uh, you know, sometimes maybe even more if like more work needs to be done. But my process typically entails uh, me recording a track locally, John recording, recording a track locally, and then us taking a Skype recording and uh, me pairing those two together just so that uh, we ensure, you know, perfect quality between he and I, uh, without internet interruptions. Um, sometimes if we get, you know, if there are disconnections or if there are pauses that are super awkward due to like delays or whatever, I'll take the time to edit those, but I'll, uh, you know, um, make sure the levels are good. I'll also apply EQs to ensure that all the, um, like I have a no noise gates that I, that I, uh, attach and EQs that I attach just for our own particular voices. Uh, and then at that point, it's more just, you know, uh, snipping and then ID tagging it with ID3 tags. Um, and then, of course, all the work that goes into creating the thumbnail, um, uploading to our various sources, and then blasting it out through social media, scheduling those posts throughout the day to, to upload. So that whole process takes about like 30 minutes to maybe like 30 to 45 minutes. Which isn't too bad, really. Um, is there anywhere in your process that like, obviously, you're uploading so much. There's so many podcasts coming out all the time. Like, what's your minimum? Is it like, well, really, there's um, there's Raw, and then there's SmackDown, and then there's Dynamite, and then you've got your, um, your like, whichever Patreon show is going to come out for that week. It's a minimum of four shows a week. Is that right? Yeah, it's right, yeah. I, um, before, like, the quarantine, um, when I think... Um, uh, we, we used to also do a call-in show once a week, too, so that pretty much, like, made our base level number of shows that john and i record together five uh we've had to cut back some just because you know um we've had less free time at home um and um we we basically had to cut that show out but um 
you know, on any given week, there are always a bunch of other bonus podcasts, whether it be from our network of friends or like John might have a special interview coming out or we might have an edition of Post ProRes or something else that's going on. Or, you know, in the case of the G1 coming up, which is, you know, for people who aren't aware of this massive, almost like four time a week tournament that New Japan is about to put on, we're going to do twice a days for a lot of, a lot of those days because we're covering every single show. It's just something a bit of a sort of like a challenge we put ourselves through once a year doing that for 30 days um so yeah in some cases we're gonna do more like two shows a day and that's crazy that is a lot g1 season is absolutely obviously as a fan it's one of my favorites i get to have you in my ears you know a little bit more often um for you guys that's a bit of a it's a bit of a grueling schedule i don't think people understand how like you know it's not i wouldn't say it's necessarily hard to you know have a mic set up and hit record you know have a conversation but i think it's like you know you have to be on what you know what i mean your head has to be on um mm-hmm. to, you know obviously you know you got a fan base to sort of um entertain and that sort of thing it's not easy to just sit here and talk and have a good um conversation obviously like because you've been doing it for years you know especially because it's you know it's with john it's somebody who you know mm. one of your close makes friends, it so et cetera, easy et cetera. Like, oh god yeah yeah no, I, I, I can com- imagine. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally understand. And I'm somebody who, at the start of this whole thing, I'm such an introvert. Like, I'm somebody who, when I was young, just like barely spoke, much less like was able to kind of eloquently elab- like elaborate on the things that I was watching. Um, so when I started, it was very different. Um, and definitely, you're right that you kind of have to be on in a way. Um, there are days where I'm just like so incredibly tired. And sometimes that comes across in the shows where my responses or my analysis, like for whatever we're talking about might not be that great. But, um, other times, you know, when, when I'm alert and I have a lot to say, I have a lot of notes about, you know, a lot of thoughts about what we're watching. Um, it's, it's a lot easier and definitely doing this for like, fuck uh i don't know 15 years at this point actually i guess i guess the podcasting itself what what have we been doing it for maybe clo- closer to like actually 12 because we we didn't really start podcasting until several years in but um yeah um sometimes like it, it becomes definitely easier like doing an interview like this with you i don't know if like when i started all this i would be able to talk at length like this how long has this answer been going on for like two, three minutes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Not even that long. That's. I think it's. Um. I'm a very introverted person. I've people have described me as an extroverted introvert. Like you mm. know, I'm. When they get. I think to know a lot me, of broadcasters they, are actually. Interesting. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Um. I don't know. I think it's for me personally. I think people think. I don't know. Um. That I could just, you know, I can talk, 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 talk at work. That's that, that's that's what I'm known for, just talking. Um, and they, you know, when are you going to shut up, Matt? Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but um, I don't know. That's a good thing. I think like it's good that mm. um, that I can sort of. Oh, because I used to be extremely introverted. I used to be. I was a very, very anxious sort mm. of. Um, well, I wouldn't say young person, teenager. I would say. Um, and I think you know, podcasting has been a good thing for me. Like, obviously it, it's what I want to do. And, um, like I've done so many podcasts. This like, this is going to be episode 150 something. And I've done many, many on the Patreon. And in the beginning I was like, cause, like I've got no, not really much of a fan base right now. I think I'm slowly starting to, you know, I'm at the point where I'm good enough to actually go on audience, I guess. But in the beginning it was just like, I'm going to put another episode a week for free. And then I'll probably put one out on the Patreon as well every single week, sometimes more. Um, and I don't care if many people don't listen to these um, ones on Patreon ever. It's more just getting in the hours to become a good podcast, to become a good broadcaster. Because I don't think it's something you, you can't study like, well, you, okay, you can study to be um, a broadcaster. But I think it takes, it's one of those things that you just have to put in the time to get good at. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you can kind of read all the theory you want, but it's honestly, you know, as they say, like, what is it? 10,000 hours to really master something. Um, and to me, that's, it's just like, especially when it comes to something like, I don't know, talking on a microphone, it's something you definitely have to do. Cause there's definitely a level of, I think just feeling comfortable 
getting out of your head as you're kind of talking and maybe listening to your yourself in in the in in a mic uh in your headset um that you know and it's also like i found for me like it definitely has trained my brain in a way to um i don't know make a point every time i try to say something or um to kind of like work myself through maybe thought processes to arrive at some sort of conclusion um that i don't know feels somewhat substantial rather than perhaps i don't know aimlessly wandering forever which i still tend to do i think that's like you know because I, I can even, like when you when you say that i sort of think and i'm like even just like you know one of the recent episodes of what day is today friday so what came out recently oh to um when you you've when dynamite? you reviewed dynamite yeah yeah um and like I, I can sort of think of a few times where it's like that where it's like you know especially when it's like you know there's not much to say on something yeah. you just want to get something out but I, th- I think that's where it's um you know where you and john just sort of bounce back and forth he's i've found john um he's very good at knowing when to go to the next point etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um I've always found he's a very good broadcaster. He oh, he's well. he, uh, to me, he's honestly in this field. I I truly think he's the best. I, like as a combination of somebody who just does incredibly thorough, like great research with tremendous recall, and also has the ability to present present it all on air. And I'm not just I'm talking wrestling and MMA. Um, I just I think he's kind of unmatched in the field. And even with that. And this, and from like, I think it was because it was, it was, it was the dynamite review from just the other day specifically. Um, you guys are funny. You guys are like, and you can like, there's so many, oh, you know, John, um, with his imitations here and there and his little jokes here and there. And it's like, he can go from this very, very serious broadcaster to just this funny guy hanging out with his friend. And it's, I don't know. I think that's why it, um. I really like post wrestling. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's not just you guys um, covering professional wrestling. It's no, two, I, it's two friends having fun. I, I understand that. Absolutely. And I think for me, that's like, um, that's, that's the impression that I get from, from like our audience. It, it's that they enjoy us, not just simply because we're news and not just simply because we're, I don't know, we're like kind of two goofs talking about wrestling, but it's some sort of intersection between the two. Where, you know, um, you might get your kind of daily fix of like whatever news you want to hear, whatever kind of analysis you want to hear about the wrestling shows that you're, that we're watching. But there's still a level of, I think, you know, like, I don't know, casualness attached to it all. And um, well, that's just something that has really developed organically from the first time we recorded together. It's, uh, it just happens to be who we are. We're like, we're, we are kind of people who goof off, but at the same time. Uh, we can have serious conversations. Oh, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was you guys leaving the Fight Network and and just starting post wrestling and that sort of process. Um, for those who don't know, what is the uh, the concise? If somebody asked, "Oh, what happened with you guys in the Fight Network?" What is the most concise answer you can give? Because mm. it is a very it's a very very long. It's sure. like there's there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of um, TV money down, layoffs, goodbye. That is very concise. Extremely, very, very, very concise. Because then you guys, because you, how long before you guys left the Fight Network did you sort of have the idea of starting what would become post wrestling? How long before? Um, yeah, I would say several months. I don't know if it was like a year, but like, to be honest with you, like, I think it, initially these thoughts probably would have come to mind when we first experienced a mass amount of layoffs, I would say probably about a year ago prior to us getting laid off. And um, that drastically cut down our original production at the time. Like at the time, it was almost like our entire on-air staff that was laid off and John was the only one that was retained. So, you know, yeah. uh, despite all that, like it drastically cut back on what we were doing. We used to like... You know, before every UFC pay-per-view, sometimes we would actually go down to the events to cover. Uh, if not, we would be back in the studio, a full crew, full studio crew, uh, doing wraparound coverage for every one of those things. And, you know, for whatever reason, unfortunately, money just wasn't coming in. And it's it's incredibly difficult to start a TV channel right now, especially in Canada, especially, you know, with a niche sport. So understandably, you know, a lot of people were let go. 
Um, and that in turn, I think affected both John and myself, but maybe even John more so than me. Cause at least I would have some of the other, you know, documentary things to work on. John, I think was just not being creatively stimulated at all. Like if any, anything he was, um, you know, maybe doing some really easy for him to do types of like reads, which I mean, takes, take him very little time because he's just like, he doesn't you know, very well, very easily. So, um, I think creatively he was being very frustrated, uh, with, with a lack of things to do. Um, me less so, but, uh, but, you know, at the same time, I, I saw the ceiling for myself as well. Both of us, you know, we're in our thirties at that point and, um, realizing that like, if we wanted to grow, um, in this industry, if we wanted to grow just financially for our own purposes to potentially raise families in our futures, I mean, this was sort of a bit of a dead end. And so um, we definitely had these conversations um, in the months leading up to us actually being laid off. In fact, even all the way up until um, the week of uh, prior to getting the news that we were laid off, we were having meetings uh, privately with one another, um, just kind of talking about our exit strategy, how, you know, uh, if we if, if things didn't really change for us around uh, maybe like, you know, I think we gave ourselves like maybe several months and if things didn't change, we'd reassess and actually consider leaving. But talks of this had seriously been going on for quite some time. So when we were finally laid off, it it was actually just the push we needed. Did you expect? Because like right at the beginning, you guys, you know, you came out, hey, we're, we're doing post wrestling. Because I think how many weeks, how many weeks between um, when they were released on Fight Network and then starting post wrestling? Did you guys cover Raw and SmackDown? Was it only like? two or three weeks or was it like a month or a bit i can't remember several months because i think halloween or around halloween was when we were let go and actually yeah i guess maybe not necessarily several months but i would say at least like two months pretty much because post wrestling launched on the 27th of december so was it was it the, was it halloween or am i thinking i don't even know at this point basically two two to three months um okay. and you know, in that time, I had actually a trip scheduled for Japan, so I actually took time off to go to Japan, but still maintained our free free podcasting at that time. Um, just because, like, John and I recognized, okay, we no longer have access to, you know, the live audio wrestling feed, which we had helped build up for um, several years at that point, along with, of course, all the other hosts uh, that were a part of it. Um, but... At the same time, we knew that we didn't want to lose the connection we had with our audience. We didn't want people to lose the routine of being able to listen to us review Raw and SmackDown or a WWE pay-per-view uh, after every episode. So uh, immediately after that, like we were let go that day, which happened to fall on a Monday. Like John and I said, we have to go on air. Like we have to, you know, find a way to record uh, and maintain that connection with our audience because obviously a lot of people, uh, yourself included, perhaps, um, were you listening to us at that time? I was. Oh, I you was were. there right at the end. Um, I think I think I listened for around the last, probably the last twelve months. I was listening to. Right. Um, I, listened, yeah. I listened to all the shows actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, with us, it was like, listen, like the technology was not complicated at all, and uh, because like you know, I was somebody who was basically handling and in charge of it all. It was just easy to replicate at least on on a temporary basis so we knew exactly what we needed to do in order to get a show up there while we were watching and reviewing raw that night um and and it's up there and you can listen to it it's our very first episode that's on our feed right now so we continued that all throughout our actual launch and it was i think for me you know it was nice to keep that routine up there but at the same time it was also a great place to like maintain a connection with the fan base and announce plans for our next thing um with the audience that we, you know, had acquired up until that point. I how fast because it was you did sort of the the, the Patreon launch. Um, how fast did that grow? I can't. I remember like it was, you know, you guys really were like it was it was really fast because I remember mm. you guys were like, hey, we're starting post wrestling. You know, sort of ideally you could it was going to be your full time living. And, you know, if not, it can be something on the side. But it really took off in the first few days, didn't it? It did, yeah. Um, I think John and I didn't really necessarily have any big expectations. Like, I think we just decided to launch it and said, 
I don't think we had any sort of expectation of it being a full-time thing or not. I mean, obviously it would have been nice, but it wasn't even going to be something we would really assess until I'm sure like several weeks or months down the line. But um, we were so incredibly fortunate and whether it be, you know, I think, I guess we did a pretty good job of like building it up and um, I don't know, uh, continuing our, our, like I said, connection with the fan base. But uh, on that day, we didn't even announce the Patreon until the actual show we dropped, which was our Christmas show that that evening. And upon the site launching, before people had even listened to the show, they were already subscribing to our Patreon, uh, just uh, like inexplicably to me. Um, and in fact, like those moments are actually captured um, on video, which we put up on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's one of our first videos of just like us hitting the launch button on the site and then our faces as we saw the first patrons trickle in. And to me, that's that was when everything changed because I was unsure, as I'm sure anybody is, you know, who would pay for this thing? Like, who would pay for this thing that people have been used to getting for free for so long? And the fact that people were even doing it without even knowing what sort of rewards they were getting or anything like that. Um, to me just was just great proof of, of how dedicated our and loyal our audience was, how appreciative they've been of, of all the free shows that, that we were putting out. Um, and to me and John, it was just that much bigger of a motivation to, you know, continue to grow and, and work even harder. Right at the beginning, what was the, um, what was the, the release schedule that you had right when you started, um, Post wrestling and the Patreon was it just Raw SmackDown and there was a weekly Patreon show? Yeah, um, was it one or two weekly Patreon shows? I forget, but at the very least, it was at least one Patreon show. It was Raw. It was SmackDown. Was there something else? I'm. I think there was. I think it was like it was. Maybe it was that it was a quote unquote exclusive video, and then I think that sort of transformed into um, sort of the, the cafe hangout. Yeah, the exclusive video actually was more for like just the, our, our second, um, like the twelve dollar and up tier. So uh, that wasn't even an extra podcast. It wasn't so was it? No. Yeah, I. You know, honestly, I I feel like it's it hasn't been that long, but at the same time, it has. So a lot of it is kind of foggy to me at this point. But maybe I mean it could very well be that we only had three shows at the time, which is crazy because um, feels like it's so little. And people were willing to, right at the start, give money for, like... they were Like, they were getting a little bit, but they weren't getting as much as they were now. Like, really, now, they're getting... They're getting a lot. Um, back then, it's like... I think it was all about... Uh, these people who were subscribed right from, from the beginning, they're... They're lifelong fans. And it's mm -hmm. like, is that hard to... Is that hard to sort of process that you guys have lifelong long fans? Yeah, I mean... I guess life is uh, subjective, you know. I I'm, I feel like at least most of our audience, I I don't think they were listening to us when they were infants. But <laughs> not um, okay, not not particularly long time fans, long time fans, long time for sure. Yeah, um, is it hard to accept? Um, initially, definitely, I think it comes as a bit of a sh surprise or a shock because to me, it doesn't seem like. I mean, um. Yeah, it's it it it's 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 um, it is and it isn't. Like I I guess I've kind of like accepted it now that you know we are part of uh, a lot of people's routine, and I think when the threat of us going away was there, um, people were like genuinely upset about it, and I guess I never you know I'm a very self-deprecating and kind of insecure person, so I never think of myself as like um sort of somebody's you know uh, daily requirement, but at the same time I have. I think about it and like I have these things that I rely on, rely on too. I'm as much of a fan as I am a producer, if if not more so of a fan. So, what if I put myself into somebody else's shoes and if there's a show that I listen to every day and that was taken away, um, I would react very much the same way. One thing I really wanted to ask was, because um, in the last two years, is that right? That you since you've started post wrestling? Yeah, coming up on three actually. Coming up, coming up on three, and that's. It's it's not a long time, especially like compared to like how long you guys were making content at the Fight Network. Um, you guys have come a long way. Like it's um, 
things have changed drastically. Like I still remember watching videos of you guys, um, of the podcast and you guys were in that, what was the room that you were in? That was a little, it was a little dingy little room with you and John and it was real, it was really tight and it was, you know, not the best recording quality, but it was my parents' basement. Far out. Yeah. Which, um, was, was, which was the initial post office as we dubbed it back then. Um, I was living at my parents' house at the time and, um, John would drive all the way like 30 minutes, you know, just to record because at that time he lived in a, in a tiny little condo. And I think he had a newborn at the time, so it was no place to record a pro, pro wrestling show. So he would have to drive after Raw, after SmackDown, however long. I don't know why we just didn't. Well, I guess we couldn't do Scott because he didn't have a place to record. So he would drive all the way to Scarborough to record in my parents' basement. Far out. That's And that is God. It's very indie, like that is. Like it's you know, it's starting. A, well, essentially, you're starting a whole new podcast. Like you, you don't have the, you know, a, a mass media company behind you guys, which is sort of crazy. But like I think that's like you know, making content independently now is the is a new big thing. Oh like my god! For, and the pandemic absolutely. has really shown that this is now the way to do it. I mean, it's so funny. Like for a time to see like you know something like Sports Center and people broadcasting from their living rooms. I mean. You know, it was a bit surprising. I mean, it's a bit different to see on TV, but at the same time, like young people have been consuming their product or producing their product and consuming their product this way for years now. You look at the consumption of like, you know, a typical, I don't know, I don't know, maybe 15 year old. And it's like Twitch, it's YouTube, you know, like they don't watch TV anymore. They watch people broadcasting from their room talking like real people or, I don't know, talking about whatever. Um, and that's the thing when it comes to like this type of thing. Yeah, it does sound indie, but it's all you need. And nice. the difference in quality, like look at what you're doing. It's like, yeah, I think when, it, especially when it comes to video, like professional looking video, that's really hard to match up with. Because um, it just takes a lot more money, it takes a lot more crew, it takes a lot more just everything. But uh, if we're talking audio, there's very little, to me, discernible difference between somebody recording with a Yeti in their well-soundproofed, like, or whatever, like, tiny little closet versus somebody recording in a professional audio booth. I think I, sh I remember specifically when I sort of bought my new mics and all that sort of stuff, um, I remember I... I downloaded an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience, and I downloaded an episode of, um, which whatever post wrestling podcast had come out that day, um, and I recorded my mic, and then I had Joe, one of Joe Rogan's podcast episodes there, like all just all of my Adobe Audition, just to see sort of like once I sort of put my filter over my audio, how different the how different the quality actually was, and it's not dramatically different mm. it's really really not and i think it's um and it, that that's the thing like the, the quality of like you know obviously like you know all these kids are watching tiktok blah 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 i don't think people really care about production quality at the end of the day unless you're recording on something that's you know utterly shit like if somebody's recording from their webcam microphone and that sort of stuff like if you've got a good mic even it's like a blue yeti which is like even like secondhand they're cheap they're cheap ads right now um mm -hmm. you can get good quality Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. During the what was I going to say was during the pandemic, I don't think it's, um, it seems like everybody's like, the big thing is to let's go buy my own microphone and start a podcast. And I think that everybody thinks, and that's the whole thing. Oh, um, oh, nobody's going to listen to, a, to, you know, a few guys sitting in a room recording a podcast. Um, and that's the thing. Like so many people, it's like YouTubers starting podcasts like that random guys sitting in their bedroom recording podcasts like that. But I remember actually it was, and this thought just went into my head. It was John interviewing. Um, I think it was actually, it wasn't actually um, an interview John did himself. He was on Jim Ross's podcast, which I'm, I think it was, it was before grilling with JR. I think it was, I can't remember the name, what it was back Ross then. report. Something uh, Ross, like yes. It was the Ross report. Um, and he was talking about, they were talking about like what makes, I think it was like differentiating between um, like wrestling podcasts and like, you know, like everybody can cover wrestling, but like what makes you unique? And I think the biggest thing, I think what John's answer was, was personality. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the, mm -hmm. it's coming back to the people 
like what you and John do isn't necessarily like special. You guys are just talking about wrestling and many, many other people do that. But I think people come back for the personalities that are there. Like, you know, and it's two guys having fun. And I don't think that's easy. I think like it's, you know, you guys have developed sort of a, oh, not a routine. You got, well, you guys have developed, um, rapport. Cause I, yeah. And that's right. Um, cause you guys are very much your, yourselves on the microphone. Like you can tell that and you can tell that there's a genuine, um, friendship sort of there. Um, yeah. Know. And I think that's why, that, 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 and that's why I've been a long-term listener a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for the, the insight. Um, cause it's, it's how I feel about a lot of the things I, I'm a fan of it and I, I listen to. So definitely I think personality, um, everybody is going to gravitate towards something, you know, that fits for them. Uh, some people might prefer just a straight up news thing. And believe me, I hear complaints still to this day about, Hey, why, like you guys should just stick to whatever, such and such. Um, uh, and some people just prefer that. Other people, I think, you know, prefer somebody who we might be of a similar age range to, maybe a similar sense of humor to. Um, it's just whatever we put out there is what's out there. And if somebody happens to find us and they like us, then that's great. And if, you know, if you don't like, I guess, how we've done things up until this point, there are plenty of other shows um, for, for people to, to choose from. So it's... um. It's just like, you know, finding what works for you. How do you actively been trying to grow post wrestling? Like, has there been a, besides just putting out all this good, good content, is there a marketing strategy at all behind that? Or is it just, or is there even time for that? Yeah, honestly, it's something I, I wish we did have more time for just sitting down and talking about, Hey, like what's kind of our like several year plan um because i would say yeah it's 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 been difficult trying to like find like i mentioned earlier about like the video thing time outside of like keeping up with the day-to-day you know just endless supply of like wrestling news and wrestling shows to just sit down and really formulate some sort of long-term you know either marketing strategy or plan so i think right now as much as we do is just first of all keeping up with it all and secondly um uh, you know, th- if we have, for instance, new show ideas that are out there doing our best to publicize those, maybe occasionally giving a free show or two out there just to, to allow people to sample them. Um, G1 for us every year tends to be a big year of signups as was like WrestleMania weekend. So we definitely have like these kind of tentpole, um, periods now where we cover a lot more and those tend to be like good signup periods for us. Um, but you know, definitely I would say, um, the audience is stable. I don't know how big the pie is anymore, like of wrestling fans to choose from. If anything, I think, you know, and we hear it all the time wrestling, like people are watching less wrestling. Um, they might be more dedicated, especially if like, you know, now that AEW is around, um, there are a lot more people that are seemingly like watching perhaps not raw or smackdown but like watching AEW in a more almost dedicated way in a way that's more connected than you know they used to be for like something just like raw or smackdown but as far as like how much of the audience in of people that are alive um are watching wrestling i think it's a shrinking number um personally at, at least at the moment so for us it's um we kind of see that reflected you know where like the numbers are strong like they they're kind of like especially after the pandemic like they've held up really well um but they're not necessarily increasing or growing to like a great standard so um yeah i definitely have these thoughts and you know it's something like as far as like growing our own uh, particular reach um i I definitely would like to be, be able to dedicate more time to it. At the same time, it's like, I wonder how much we can uh, extend our reach, you know? Did it not grow at all during the pandemic at all? Did it grow? Um, I I feel like there might have been churn, you know, like at the same rate as people that have left 
more might have come in. So as a result, I think it's it's perhaps that for that reason why it's remained largely stable. Um, so yeah, that's really a, about as much as like kind of I feel. Okay, interesting. Because I thought there would have been, I don't know, like you know, people are like, okay, I've got all this time on my hands now. Um, well, at find... the same time, you have to think about for a lot of people, podcasting was a part of a routine. You know, going out yeah. on your drive, going out on the bus for like an hour or two hours out of your day. And uh, for a lot of people working at home, they don't really have that anymore. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, some some people just simply lost interest in pro wrestling. Other people just won't have the money to support something that's really a luxury item like a, a, a Patreon. So there are, I think, just as many reasons for somebody to disengage as there are for people to engage. That's very true. Very true. One, um, one thing I've always, I always sort of would like to know is like, what's the, like, not what's the next step, but like, what is, how do you want to see post wrestling grow? Like, what is the sort of, where would you be like very, very, very comfortable at? Like, is it, you know, having enough money to hire somebody to just, you know, deal with a little, the little um, production thing for the podcasts, thumbnails, um, all the the, the, da- the metadata, all that sort of garbage. Is it hiring somebody else to do something else? Is it to have a crew to help do something? Is it to have a studio? Is there, at least for you personally, what what do you want to see? What do you want to do with post wrestling? I I honestly haven't thought in like, I think um, terms that that large. Um, for me, I just want to have enough. You know, I just want to have um, something that can support the people that are currently uh, employed f- full time by by the company, which is John and myself, and you know our families in the future. Um, that to me is is happiness, and you know the ability to uh, be creative and and to be your own boss, and not to be I think stifled either. I don't know with what we're able to say uh, and what ideas we may have. That that to me is is all I'm looking for. I'm not looking to get rich off of this, um, and you know. But at the same time, of course, like it would be wonderful if we could um, do the same for a lot of people that we like, um, that whose work we respect, um, and who we also want to see like you know succeed in the field. So, um, that to me would be sort of our, our next goals is to, you know, make sure like the people around us are, uh, have the platform and also, uh, if they have the ability to make money off of doing this, then that they do as well. Um, so those are my goals. Um, as far as like, you know, um, yeah, like having other staff I to do the, the day to day, um, I can manage at this point like it's fine if, if anything like it kind of keeps me occupied and it's something that's so routine for me that like I there's almost a comfort in doing it so uh, until like there's a need for me to like branch out to do other things and I can pass this off to somebody else then that's something I would consider then but uh, until then for me it's like making sure that creatively I'm stimulated um, in that you know uh, the people like you know that that are around us are kind of like in, in good positions. I like that. I really do like that. Um, before we sort of wrap things up, um, one thing I wanted to talk to you was about was about comedy because I know you're a big comedy fan. I know you. Um, one was the review. Like I've always heard you like you know mention like um, shows like Nathan for You etc. Um, here and there, but I was listening to the Freddie Got Fingered review that. Um, I don't know. That, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> and I don't know why, um, but you know, there's just something very, very special about it. Um, what, who, who are you really enjoying in, um, in comedy at the moment? What are some of your favorite shows? Yeah. Uh, well it's, first of all, it's, it's really uh, interesting to hear that. And I think um, you saying that, I think reveals a great deal about like who you are and I think what your influences are. And I wouldn't say that about all movies, but like a movie as different as Freddy Got Fingered for somebody to say that they're a genuine fan of it as I, as am I, um, I think reveals, um, maybe like a different level of appreciation of a certain type of art that a lot of people don't have. Um, that's such a really snobby answer, but, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so it's, it's, 
it's definitely um it definitely takes a level of i think um i don't know either craziness or or just insight in order to get something out of you know a movie of like a man shooting an elephant's um <laughs> jizz onto rib torn um and 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 for me like what i really respect about tom green's career at least early on is just the fact that he's truly an auteur somebody who Absolutely. at the time was like not just writing his own thing not just doing on air his own thing he was also an editor for his own stuff uh which to me is a massive massive part of comedy and also uh somebody who even made the music so uh, and somebody who was just basically not afraid to break the mold and do crazy different shit and original stuff so it's crazy though isn't it yeah and like because he started all on public access as well like and yep. it's that's extremely extremely indie really i hate completely. using that word no um, completely. but it's yeah but I, I love how he started it's like it's very very um it's, it's a very big inspiration for me 100 um, percent. yeah as far as like you know my modern tastes in comedy i'm a huge fan of um the on cinema universe yes what, are you are you familiar i am very much so i love tim heidecker um yeah love greg they, they're both they're both like they're both um I don't know. They both play the characters very, very well. Oh my um, god, so good! I love Tim. Tim, Tim as an ang- he's and I've seen him in a few different podcasts as well. I think specifically on maybe it was Comedy Bang Bang um, with Scott Ackerman. Um, he played his art like an, his asshole sort of character, and he plays it very, very well. He did a whole podcast where it was just him sort of like being too good to be on a podcast, <laughs> and it was just it was. <laughs> And it was, oh, I think it was, I feel like it was him, Scott Ackerman, and it might have been Lauren Lapkus. I can't remember specifically, but it was him just like, he wasn't having any of it. It was like, he didn't want to be there. It was just, you know, like a, um, he was getting paid to be there, et cetera, et cetera. And he plays that character extremely, extremely well. He plays it so well, and I'm such a fan of it that like, I also listened to his, or at least I've listened to his new podcast, which is, um, what's it called? After Hours? After Hours, yeah. And I'm almost disappointed that it, it's the real Tim and not the asshole Tim, you know? Yeah, um, it's not the same. But, like, as far as, like, on cinema goes, I, I definitely gravitated towards it because it lampoons, like, what I do for a living, and that's reviewing things. Um, for people who aren't aware, it is a fake movie review series where two guys, basically Siskel and Ebert style, talk about these films, and the joke is that most of the time neither man has seen the film um but you have one guy who you know is so full of himself that he's only doing this because he wants the celebrity and the status of being a host of a thing so he'll bullshit his way through whatever review he'll like mispronounce all the names of the people and then the other guy claims to be a diehard expert you know like so diehard that he only he he loves to claim the superiority of VHS as the real format with which to enjoy film. And oh, beautiful. the comedy is just like, neither man has clearly seen the film, but one person um, is faking his way through it. The other one, like Greg, is just even more interesting because he, he'll bring up useless facts about the film as if he was an expert but these are facts that nobody would give a shit about like the runtime of a show or the fact that this person acted in this other film and therefore um like he would just bullshit his way through it and they stick to these characters so strongly that it definitely makes you wonder you know if you're a novice like are these guys serious or not uh but once you're in like they also just have expanded their universe so greatly beyond these movie reviews into like side stories that span the course of like entire seasons into next seasons and and then like decker um oh, decker. the car the the trial there's like there's like a several hours long trial after like tim's um tim killed a bunch of people through uh vape uh bad vape pen for his uh electronic music band's concert like it's that deep um, it's not even an exaggeration of it. It is hours long, and it's it's dedication to the craft of comedy. Absolutely, that trial is, and, and just dedication, like to, I think, amusing themselves. To me, that's like to me that the heart of like anything that's good is like, does it make yourselves laugh? 
Uh, and clearly, like for me, this it looks like this is just that much of a labor of love as much as it is for other people. No, absolutely. I think like Tim, Tim and Eric have it. They've you know they I I've listened to a few and like listened to a few interviews with them, read a few interviews, um, and like their story is very very interesting. Like it's you know there were two guys I think they're at college together, um, and they sent in a tape and I think it was to Bob Odenkirk that got to Adult Swim somehow. Tom goes to the mayor, gets created. Then they start making Tim and Eric's awesome show. Great job. And then, then, um, and that's how absolutely production sort of started. Um, and now they've got a production company. They've got, um, they have like good, a good, um, relationship with adult swim. So a lot of the stuff goes on there. Um, few things on adultswim.com. Um, they've got like, I've got a few movies that have come out. Um, and they get to do on cinema, which I believe, which I believe is produced in house at Absolutely Productions as well. I think. Um, well, you know a like, lot you know, about about these guys. I do very, very much. So. I'm a very, very big fan of comedy. Comedy has been the one thing that's, um, I don't know. It's always been something that I've sort of gravitated towards because I'm such a funny person, as I've always told. You're hilarious. Um, oh, thank you. I thought. Oh, that, that, now that's a snippet. I'm gonna snip that out. That's gonna be. That's gonna be my text tone. It's gonna be. You're hilarious. I'm like, oh, just a message. It's just, oh, don't worry about the voice. It's just, you know, some wrestling podcast I listen to. Actually, funny story about um, post-wrestling. I was wearing my post-wrestling shirt and I was just looking at clothes at some shop. I can't remember what it was. And there was this guy and he was, you know, he was obviously trying to make me, to, to sell me stuff. And it was like, the clothes were all right. It was just like, you know, surf, not surfy. It was... I don't know, very modern, very like the cool kids will wear this sort of stuff. And I was walking in, he's like, oh, how you going, mate? Oh, what's with that, the cool shirt? And this is the shirt that um, I wish I was, I should have been wearing it right now. Um, I sort of didn't really think of that before I was recording at 3am. But it was, it's the shirt that has post-wrestling and it has your head and John's head and it's cut in half. And then there's, I can't even think of the des- what the design is off the top of my head now. And I wear the shirt all the time. Um, it, it's it's very, like it's it's my head and John's head split in half, and we are joined together by one single brain, and that is the creation of Robert Pearson, who does uh, almost all of our t-shirts. Um, he's a genius. He just, I guess this this was an image that crept up in his mind, and here we are. Uh, thank you for for wearing it in Australia <laughs> in front of in a surf surfer dude shop. Oh, it was great. It was a, it's a beautiful shirt. I really love that shirt. Anyway, I wore, I wore the shirt and he's like, oh, what's, what's your shirt? It's like, it's got a cool design. What's post? And I said, oh, um, I'm like, fuck. Now I've got to explain to this guy what post wrestling is. And I'm like, oh, it's, there's the, it's these podcasting guys, but it's about wrestling. And, but it's like, not just podcasting. Like they're not just talking about it. Like they're, they're journalists as well. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't think he really sort of latched on to what I was talking about. And I can tell he was just talking to me so he could bloody sell me something. I walked out of the store with two shirts anyway that I haven't worn since. So I sort of, I, I think I felt bad that I had to put him through me trying to explain what post-wrestling is. And it's, oh. You could tell how disappointed he was. He's probably hoping for like, I don't know, some cool band. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like a some sort of movie or something like that but, no, but that's a great description easy. what you whatever you said well, you know we should have put that on the back of the shirt so you could just point to it oh yeah that's a good idea isn't it actually you look on the back and it says what did i say oh we are some <laughs> podcast guys who talk about wrestling but it's not just talking about it it's also like journalism mm. i think that is a very great description of post wrestling better um, than wrestling podcaster for sure Absolutely. Definitely. Um, before we wrap things up way, um, first of all, thank you for being on my podcast at 3am. Um, well, it's, it's, since, it's only 2pm for me. You guys have been one. That's yes. You have it fucking easy. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I have to get up at work at 10 o'clock. Oh you know, no. I'm sorry I, about oh, that. No, don't be sorry. It's, you know, this is the life I chose sitting up in the middle of the night, recording a podcast with, and people are like, who are you recording with at 3 a.m.? It's like, oh, he's waiting. He hosts, 
he hosts a podcast, a wrestling podcast. They've already checked out by now. They don't give a shit. Is Matthew um, okay? Is he making up like people in his head? Is he just <laughs> essentially talking to himself at 3 a.m.? Because wait, people are like waiting. That's not a real name. No. Absolutely. I'm like, look, if you understood and then, you know, they, they, they've already checked out. But thank you for coming on. Um, this mean, like I've, I have reached out to many people I sort of look up to. And you guys were, you and John were at the top of the list. And you and John were the, some of the first people who actually said, yeah, sure, we'll do it. Um, I don't know. I think people, that's very, it makes me feel good. Oh, my God. Like having... Please. Like, it's <laughs> for me, honestly, it's an honor. And these are the types of, like, conversations I love having the, the most because, um, I mean, to me, it's just like, yeah, I, you know, you've been a longtime supporter of us at this point. And I also know that, like, I don't know, like the conversation would be good because you know us really well so i and, and like i mentioned like you're somebody that we would chat you know off and on about like tech stuff anyway so i definitely like didn't hesitate to say yes so thank you for having me on man thank you way i appreciate that um i guess you know we could i could say oh shout out what you're working on but it's it's post wrestling um what are the handles for it so uh just i don't know just twitter is post wrestling I think is it everything is at post wrestling uh that's youtube that's twitter that's facebook but instagram it's at post wrestling official because some asshole got post wrestling before we we even existed and um despite several requests pretty inactive i mean let me just let me just look it up right now i don't want i hate to call him asshole because if anything he could probably tell us to he could give us a cease and desist. But um, I don't even know if it exists anymore, to be honest with you. Oh, really? So maybe I could take it. You could. I think you can request for accounts that have been sort of taken down or even inactive Ooh. accounts. I think you can request to take that. Okay, well, let's see. I'll find out. Watch. Somebody's going to listen to this and they're just going to park it and we're going to have to pay them a thousand <laughs> million dollars. Oh, fucking brilliant. Oh. Anyway, I'll I'll look that up on my own time. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, what I was going to say was because for 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 me for Onwe, um, it was, you know, Onwe TV and like and this is and I sort of I found it I got it on Facebook, even though nobody uses that anymore. I got it on Twitter. I got it on Instagram. I've got it on Twitch. I got it on TikTok. Whatever platform that I might use, YouTube, it's fucking taken. So it's Onwe TV one. So if you go to Omni TV, it's some French band that hasn't really put out anything in a few years. Um, this is where really like hurt. instances like this, I feel like you should be able to challenge and you should be able to compete, you know, like, like just like how wrestlers will challenge each other for championship belts. I mean, if somebody has, uh, if somebody has sort of like moved up in the rankings of, of relevance, they should have the right to challenge you for a Twitter handle or a YouTube handle or whatever handle. And it's up to you to defend it in a maybe physical confrontation or maybe just a, a spiritual comp- confrontation. A spiritual confrontation. I like yeah. that. That's the I way it should work. It. Oh, absolutely. Oh, thank you for joining us, Way. I appreciate that very, very much. No problem. Thank you. And thank you for teaching me the proper pronunciation of Ennui TV. I've always had an issue with that. Um, <laughs> and now to hear it straight from the source... Now I know. I love it. Excellent. Um, did you know that it's like it, it? It does mean something. It means boredom in French, I think. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure. What, like it does. And is it's that actually, why you chose it? It is because I was like, "Hey, let's have a unique name." And then I googled like words. I so I did. I went. Um, I looked up boredom. I went to Google Translate, and then just found something that fit. And Ennui was. I think it's actually in like the, like it's in. You can use it in English, and like ennui does mean like boredom. So it's not just, I don't know, I can't, what do you call it when it's a word that's foreign and then you bring it over and it can be used as an English word as well? I can't think of what they call a word like that, but that no sort of idea. thing. Like, but it can be used in, um, it's, it, it's part of the English language as well, and it just, it's derived from that, some sort of shit. It's 4 a.m. Please <laughs> give me a break, please. Oh. Thank you for joining me, Way. I appreciate that, though. Thank you, Matthew. And thank you, Ennui TV. Hope this wasn't too ennuying for was, everybody. That was great. That was, that was very, very 
very great. Get some sleep, dude. I'm fucking going to, I can tell you that much. Ennui Talk is hosted by Matthew Winner, produced by Ennui. You can listen to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watch it in its entirety at youtube.com slash TV one You can show your support by becoming an Ennui Plus member, where you get exclusive series and podcasts, early access, and member-only perks. Join us at ennui.tv forward slash plus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.